I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily life, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. How do you feel about waiting? My wife, I can tell her. Now, sweetheart, I have a present for you. It's coming up for Christmas. I've bought it. It's, it's ready. I haven't even wrapped it yet. And it's sitting right over there in the corner. And this could be, you know, weeks before the event. And she will not go over there. She wants to be surprised. She will not ruin that surprise for anything. She wants to wait. You tell me that, and I'm going to wait until you turn your back, and I'm going to go see what it is. I'm the one who, in the middle of the show, when it gets a little tense, I pull out the phone. I know this is awful. This is horrible. But I pull out the phone, and uh, and I go to Wikipedia, episode guide, or whatever. I want to know what's going to happen. And then once I know I'm okay and I can enjoy the show. Uh, and so uh, waiting is not necessarily my strong suit. And yet, that's what this season of the church Advent is all about. It's about us not rushing ahead uh, to to get to Christmas, not rushing ahead to to see the fulfilled promise, but to sit for just a little while in the waiting, because this is not just role playing that we're doing here. It's not saying, hey, you know, uh, the people long ago they longed for the coming of Christ and they didn't see it, and so they waited, and and then Jesus came and all was right. No, that's really illustrative for us and reminding us of our own place here today to say, you know what? The world is still not redeemed. We have been redeemed. We've experienced the salvation of God, and yet not in its fullness. We, we still live in the fallen world. We, we still uh, are praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because we've not seen the fulfillment of God's rule and reign here on earth. All you have to do is look at the news, right? We, we had uh, wildfires just covering California. Uh, we have all kinds of political turmoil, not only here in the United States, but all around the world. And we can look and say, you know what? The, the world is still longing for Christ. As, that, as one of my favorite carols says, um, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Right? We, we experience that longing, that pining, as we live in this fallen world. And so Advent is this time to remind us that this is not the first time that people have had to wait for redemption. Uh, we can fall into two traps. One is we could completely ignore the fact that we, uh, we still need further redemption. We can be happy with our own individual salvation and completely ignore the, the injustice that surrounds us in the world. Uh, the other temptation is to accept that injustice that surrounds us as just the way things are and not pine for, not long for, not pray for the, the fulfillment of our redemption in Christ. Because we are here in Advent, we're really all the time, we are caught between the already, like Christ has already come, and the not yet, because we're not yet uh, filling the full uh, force of that redemption. And so if we 
if we look at back in gratitude, but not forward in hope, then we're not really grasping the fullness of, of what Christ has done. If we're looking back in gratitude, but stuck in the present, either ignoring the future or lamenting the future, then we're missing something. We're missing the hope of this season, the hope that Christ, who has come and who lived a sinless life and sacrificed himself, gave himself up for us, died for our sins, rose from the dead, and ascended into heaven, that same Christ will come again in glory and will set the whole world right. That's what all these readings in in the liturgy have been about. They're showing us and reminding us that when Christ comes to redeem the world, at the end of all days, that redemption will be complete. So Advent, in part, is to remind us that, that the work is not yet done and that we are still waiting for something. We're still waiting for the fullness of God's redemption. We're not in a society that really likes to wait all that much. We have a lot in common with Abraham, who, when he didn't receive the promise right away, he he schemed of a way to help God along and make that promise come to fruition. Advent asks us the question, are you willing to wait for the good things God has promised? Are you willing to wait for God to do the action, for God to come through and bring his fulfillment? Are you willing to to put off what you can accomplish so that you make room for what God can accomplish? This is a hard thing. This is a really hard thing because we begin to doubt ourselves. Did we we really hear God in this promise? How can we be sure that God was going to do it in that way? Surely, surely God is waiting on me to do something. Surely God I have to step up and move. Well, here's the thing. If God is calling you to get up and to do something specific, as we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, with the understanding that we may have some component in that. Uh, But if God is going to call you to do that, it's not going to be ambiguous. God's going to move in your heart to do it. It's not going to be done out of, oh my gosh, well, nothing's happened, so I guess I should move forward and do something, right? No, rather, the Holy Spirit will make that move. The Holy Spirit will find you and pick you up and direct you, just as he has done throughout all of history. So, are you willing to wait? That's a hard question. And it's one we don't like to look at. And so that's why the church gives us generally four weeks as we approach Christmas, this high holy day in the Christian year. Uh, Four weeks where we sit and we reflect on what it means to wait for the promises of God. Four weeks. This this year it's a little shorter. This year we've got three weeks in a day, right? Uh, But society wants so much to move right into Christmas to move right into celebration, to move right into uh, all things joyful and candy-coated and sweet. And the church says, we'll get there, but hold off just a little bit, a little bit of self-control, a little bit of waiting. Uh, Don't delve headlong into the season yet. And here's the thing about this. 
so often we get we get caught up in the the Christmas celebration early because society has gone there with with its specific ways of celebrating, and then Christmas Day comes and then we're just done. We're worn out. We're exhausted. We have put all of our effort in. We made the huge Christmas meal. The kids open their presents, and then thirty seconds later, they've played with it and they're done. Now they're disappointed because the whole focus and the whole attention of the season was on those presents that they have now opened and the excitement and the rush and the thrill is gone. So Advent gives us four weeks to focus on something other than the presents. But really, the ultimate present, the redemption of of humanity and of the cosmos, of the world, by Jesus Christ. And so now as we are focusing not on the presence, not on the lights and the glitter, but on this promised redemption for four weeks, then Christmas Day comes and the presence, they're there. I mean, that's an important part of it for the children. It's a great celebration. It's a great way to celebrate. But they no longer, the presence are no longer the singular focus. So Advent gives us the opportunity to reorder and to refocus ourselves uh, to make the celebration really about uh, Christ and Christ's incarnation and what that impacts, what the implication of that is. So we've done a couple of things in our household to help with this idea that it's not about the presence. First of all, uh, we, have, we open our stockings on St. Nicholas Day. That's, uh, that's the sixth. It's, uh, it's come and gone. The kids have opened their stockings. They've gotten their candy. Uh, and that, that part's done. Uh, and then we do things really slowly. We stretch out this season with, with an eye towards anticipation. And then when we get to Christmas, man, Christmas Day is day one, and we do the full 12 days of Christmas plus a little bit because the liturgical calendar works out such that it's uh, a little bit elongated because, you know, you push Epiphany to the Sunday and then uh, you go to the baptism of the Lord, which this time is just the Monday after, but sometimes it's like a full week after. And so you can really push out uh, and celebrate uh, the, the, the Christmas season in that way. And we're going to explore this a little bit more in just a moment with our guest today. Today we're talking to Christopher Altieri. He lives in Rome. He uh, is a a journalist and news editor at Vatican Radio. And we're going to have a great conversation with him about some of his traditions around uh, the, the Advent season and the Christmas season. And then we're going to talk just a little bit about how Advent challenges the status quo political narrative and, and invites us into looking at the world, looking at the created order through the view of Christ's kingdom, through his rule and reign, and through the redemptive work that he's already done and continues to do. Don't forget, we still have that Christmas present to give away. Come over to our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And let me know what your three to five favorite episodes of Outside the Walls have been over the last three years. While you're online, go over and check out all the extra online content available to our Patreon supporters. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And here we are now. Tomorrow's the second week of Advent. Uh, it's a short Advent this year because uh, we've got the fourth Sunday of Advent also is Christmas Eve. Uh, so you've got two masses that you've, that you've got to get to uh, because you've got an obligation for Sunday, but you've also got an obligation for uh, Christmas. And you can't do those both in one mass. You've got two masses to go to, a couple of different options there. We'll put that up on social media over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Today, we're talking with Christopher Altieri. He's the co-founder of Vocaris Media. You can find them at vocarismedia.com. He's been a journalist and news editor at Vatican Radio for 11 years, as well as translating several works in philosophy, theology, and history. And our specific interest today is, as a philosopher, one of his main areas of specialization is the relationship of competing cosmologies slash anthropologies to the constitution of society and within a given society. And if you're a little bit unsure of what that means, uh, it means what we're about to talk about, the already and the not yet in our desire to see the kingdom of God come here this Advent. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So you are joining us all the way from Rome. Uh, before we get into our main topic today, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, what the cultural realities of Rome are during Advent. Because very often we think uh, that our own experience is universal and that people all around the world experience things in the way that we do. And, and it can be kind of a culture shock when you when you visit somewhere else for the first time. So talk to us, you having not only lived in Rome, but having been married in Rome and married into a Roman family, what are some of the traditions around Advent, this time of preparation that maybe took you off guard when you first encountered them? That's a, a fascinating question, um, and I'm, I'm glad you asked it. It's something that I've been thinking about myself uh, this year uh, for reasons that uh, maybe I'll tease out during the course of um, my answer. Um, but the first thing that comes to mind to say is one of the things that uh, is sort of conspicuous by its absence here. Uh, I, I always loved when I was a kid uh, putting together and uh, setting and lighting the candles and praying around our family Advent wreath. And they're just not much of a thing here in Rome. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, you'll see them, but they aren't. Uh, you know, not every church has one, uh, and not every household has one the way that they are uh, sort of part and parcel of the season uh, right. back in the States and in lots of other countries as well. Um, so that's that's one of the things that, uh, like I said, is conspicuous by its absence, and that I, I think I realize uh, I, I've become sensible this year of missing that uh, because... Uh, this is a penitential season, and it's a season of uh, waiting mm -hmm. um, and of patience. And uh, that particular tradition is one that uh, I suppose always helped me get into the spirit of the season in ways uh, that uh, I, I, of which I wasn't really conscious, I guess, until I didn't have them yeah. uh, to hand every year. Uh, but here in Rome, 
there are the traditions of the uh, the Christmas cribs, the creches, um, that uh, you know people will go to enormous lengths, even at home, to put together some very elaborate. Uh, uh, nativity scenes, uh, very often constructing whole villages, whole cities, uh, whole cities, I should say. Um, and it uh, it really is remarkable, the love and the care and devotion that, that uh, uh, go into those uh, projects. Uh, and it, you know, is very much a, a cultural uh, phenomenon. You know, people, th- this is true in, you know, the... Uh, communist atheist families will have their uh, their nativity scene and maybe go to great lengths uh, to put it up. And, and uh, some people are, are, are critical of that, you know, saying, "Oh, this isn't this is just cultural." And one of the things that I like to respond to that is, "Well, people are going to have a culture, mm-hmm. and if it's not a Christian culture, then it's going to be something else." One of my favorite things, as you bring that up this time of year, is when, you know, you can't get away from Christmas music on the radio. It's just everywhere here in the United States. One of the things I love is when artists who are completely secular, not only in their content, but in, in, their, in their lifestyles as well, they'll start singing songs that are the gospel just kind of laid out. And it's like, you know what? Maybe they haven't appropriated this at all, and yet there's still a proclamation going forth. And it's going to make—it's a seed at the very least. Uh, whether it ever enters into their heart or not, it's now going out over the radio waves to, to people that they have influence over. I, I agree with that, and I enjoy it myself. And I'll, uh, I'll do you one better. I'll one-up you, and I'll say <laughs> that, uh, uh, well, doesn't that mean that perhaps uh, these folks aren't as completely secular as we or they think? We're talking today with Christopher Altieri, and earlier you mentioned that uh, Advent is a penitential season. And that's something that here in America, at the very least, is so easily lost because the stores are celebrating Christmas from October 31st. What are some ways that that the individual family may begin to incorporate some of the penitential aspects of Advent? Well, speaking for my own, it's not as intense a penitential season Mm -hmm. as uh, Lent is. Um, It's you know, a, uh, a, a different sort of penance um, that we're doing. We are maybe some introspection. Holding off, yeah, ho- holding off on some good things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the, the cake's there, it's coming. <laughs> uh, but we're going we're gonna to wait to have the cake, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, what we're practicing is uh, patience and learning how to temper our excitement that this very great good that we know mm-hmm. is, is on its way and, uh, is, is, is just around the corner. Some of what... He'll, he'll be here tomorrow. Right. You know, the old, uh, the acrostic read in reverse from the O antiphons, erocras, I'll ah. be here tomorrow. Yeah. Some of what we do in our family with our, we've got seven small children, is we will put up all of the greens, like the, the garlands and such, the, the decorations, on the first Sunday of Advent. And then the second Sunday of Advent, on a longer Advent, we put up the live tree, but we don't do anything with it. We don't light it until St. Lucy's Day on the 13th. 
and then we don't decorate it until Gaudate, that there's this sense of impending joy that we're not quite able to grasp yet, but, but it's there on the horizon and we can see it and it builds an anticipation as that season goes on. I think that's precisely the spirit uh, that, uh, uh, that, that's called for in, in this season, uh, remembering that uh, we're getting something uh, really terrific. So in theological terms, this would be the concept of the already and the not yet, that we've already seen the coming of Christ, and yet we've not yet seen the fullness of that redemption, either in our own lives or in the cosmos, as you talk about in your, your speciality in the cosmology and anthropology, uh, th- that there's something that even today we're still missing out on. We're not quite seeing the fullness of God's kingdom, but, but we have hope for it, and we see the, the signs of it, and, and so we're, we're moving that direction in hope. Yes, it is. Uh, there is an eschatological focus to Advent that is actually the primary focus, and that's a, a good thing uh, to uh, to talk about and to spend some time sort of teasing that out. Um, the end of the season, the calendar end, obviously, is is Christmas, where we celebrate the the, the solemnity of the Nativity of our Lord. But the end of the season in terms of its uh, spiritual focus is the second coming. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting that the the word uh, that we've chosen for the season, Advent, Adventus, uh, was a sort of a formal in in Roman times – a sort of a formal welcoming ceremony for a, uh, well, for an emperor, for a consul uh, returning to the city or having been elected. Um, it, it was uh, almost a, um, to characterize it as a, as a, an investiture or a seating uh, would not be entirely, uh, wouldn't, you know, wasn't what it exactly was for, but it, it doesn't uh, mischaracterize for the popular imagination too much, I don't think, uh, the idea. Um, so it, the, the reason I mention that is because it means he's already here, right. and, and he is. Uh, he's constantly coming to us, especially uh, in the Eucharist, in the Blessed Sacrament. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he is coming again. Right. He's coming, and he's coming to judge the world. Uh, and that is a focus of this season that if you look at the liturgical texts, is certainly one of, if not the primary focus mm-hmm. uh, of the season. And it's, it's good that uh, I think that, that we remember that. Mm-hmm. We're talking today with Christopher Altieri, founder of Vocaris Media, about Advent, about the practices of Advent and the meaning, the true meaning of Advent. There's much more to this conversation just after the break. In the meantime, join the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And we'll be right back right after this.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Here we are tomorrow entering into the second week of Advent. And if you've been following along in the readings uh, or going to Mass every day, which is, of course, the preferable way to do that, you've noticed that there is quite a bit of political talk. Now, you know, not not Republican or Democrat, but rather God is speaking to the kingdom of Israel and he's talking about the deliverance that he's going to provide for them. Uh, and, and what this points to, I think, and what I think is important for us to, to look at is the idea that the culmination, the perfect world of all worlds, is found, as we see during Advent, in the kingdom of God. And it can be very easy to allow ourselves to get so entrenched in current political realities that, one, we, we miss the broader context that we're called to, to the kingdom of God, but two, uh, we, we can get so narrowly focused that we fail to see uh, the right and, and the good in that which is politically opposed to us, but is still found within the church. So today we're talking with Christopher Altieri. He's the co-founder of Vocaris Media. Go take a look at him over at vocarismedia.com. Uh, he joins us from Rome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me once again. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to be here. So now this is kind of your speciality. You talked about uh, in your, uh, your CV that one of your main areas of specialization is this relationship of competing cosmologies slash anthropologies. Now, let's just assume for a moment that I'm a layperson. What does that mean? What cosmology is in the philosophical sense is the study of the basic structure and order or what is the ordering principle of the universe. The uh, natural scientific, the astrophysical sense is sort of a uh, refinement and or reduction of that older sense in which we, we look into and explore the logoi of the cosmos. The cosmos is an interesting word. It means well-ordered whole. Um, and so what, what you're looking for when you're doing cosmology is uh, the principle of order that erects and sustains the cosmos. And you're looking for it particularly in the order of things itself. So, so here we are. Let's just talk about the difference between the, the Christian cosmology, the kingdom cosmology, and that of, of the nation state. We're in the world, Scripture says, but not of the world. So how do we as Christians balance these competing cosmologies of politics and of our faith? We've been trying to work that out, I'd say, for <laughs> roughly 2,000 years, haven't we? Indeed. And it is the, uh, the, the $64,000 question. The short answer is about 22 books long, and it's uh, <laughs> called On the City of God Against the Pagans. It was written by St. Augustine. First of all, we talk a lot today about uh, secularism and secular culture. It's a word that I resist giving up because the seculum as a category of thought is very much our own. That is, it belongs to Christians and it belongs to Christianity. St. Augustine invented it. 
And what it refers to is essentially the uh, the the temporal order, um, the order that is in and of history as it unfolds toward uh, the uh, the second coming. When we are in that history, as we are now and will be until he does come again, we are doing a whole lot of muddling. And no matter how good we get it, no matter how well we muddle, ultimately that is what we are going to be doing. And we're going to be working often and all the time, really, very much against ourselves and against our own worst inclinations, which now are just as much a part of us as any other. We're, we're laboring under the effects of original sin, all of us. Those of us who have had the grace of baptism no longer carry with us the guilt of original sin. But there is a wound, a brokenness in our nature uh, that will not be fixed until he fixes it at the last. That means that whatever laws we create, whatever political order we are able to establish, will never be able to supply perfectly for that wound that we carry. At the end of the day, we want to, and it's important to remember that we can have, we can always have a political order that is better than the one we have. There's always room for improvement, we say, right? Uh, that's true on, a, on an individual and a personal level. It's true on a social level. It's true in terms of whatever constitutions of government we give ourselves. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with Christopher Altieri from Rome. And I've seen this trend lately uh, to treat politics as an end unto itself, almost as if politics itself would save us. But we're called to look at politics more as a means rather than the end in itself, to use politics to point to something external, outside of itself, and, and to order us toward that prayer that Christ taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, sure. Uh, and and th that's enormously important. And, and uh, now more than ever, political messianism is the most dangerous phenomenon, I think, facing us and the most uh, pernicious idea, uh, because on the basis of it, we can justify the exclusion of the unrighteous from the community. We can set ourselves up as prophets and as a nation of the elect, and that is disastrous. Uh, and it's not disastrous in its potential effects, although it is not only disastrous in its potential effects. Uh, there's an element, and there's a reason that it's so strong, it's not by accident, in the United States, That's, and that reason is that it was there in the beginning. You know, the, uh, the, the the Puritans believed that they were coming here. Their their original idea was to set up an, essentially an eschatological society, a community of the elect. Mm -hmm. The brute facts of life that they encountered in the waste and howling wilderness, as Samuel Danforth described it in one of his great sermons, um, the pressure of that life and of living here was such that uh, that original idea was very much attenuated. The sort of the the stranglehold that it had on 
the thinking and the self-understanding of the first communities was uh, was loosened, uh, but it never let go entirely, and I don't think it ever will. It's uh, part of who we are, and we, uh, I think, need to be mindful of it and uh, and then get on with our lives. So as we're mindful of it, and as we are in this season of, of penitential reflection and, and of waiting for that promise of God, what are uh, what are a few things that we can do to help reorder our minds uh, and to, to refocus our thoughts on what has been promised, on the kingdom of God as achievable only through the advent of Christ? Well, I would start out uh, by saying that we can pray together. Uh, we can pray together uh, in our families. Uh, we can take some quiet time. Um, to uh, do some of the kinds of prayer that uh, we don't do enough of or don't do well enough as we ought to. For some people, like me, that's remembering your set prayers. I got a pretty good open dialogue, you know, a running dialogue with our Lord, I, I, I like to think, um, uh, throughout the day. Uh, but uh, remembering that I made that promise to stop and say a decade of the rosary, or even sometimes just a Hail Mary and Our Father and a Glory Be, uh, I easily forget that during the course of a day. And so this year, for example, I'm trying to be more more uh, mindful of uh, my duty to pray those prayers, which are the common prayers and the common uh, uh, patrimony of uh, the church. Um, and that's one thing that I'm doing. Uh, but on a, on a real nuts and bolts practical level, um, we can't build up the, the community. We can't uh, improve the quality of relations in the polity that is the people of God uh, if we don't engage with people. Um, yeah. you know, um, we can't uh, repair a discourse if we don't have conversations. Right. And so what I would ask uh, folks to do or think about doing maybe uh, is one of those real simple childhood exercises. Pick somebody that you disagree with mm -hmm. and uh, tell them something that you appreciate about them. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you can't come up with anything, you're doing it wrong. You need to be thinking <laughs> harder. And so just stay at it until you come up with it. Any, you know, however small it is. Um, and think about, pick someone with whom you have a profound disagreement mm -hmm. uh, on something very, very basic. Yeah. And find something good in their position. That's just a couple of ways that one can uh, build up the kingdom brick by brick. We've been talking today with Christopher Altieri. He's the author of The Soul of a Nation, America as a Tradition of Inquiry and Nationhood. And we've spent some time talking about Advent's call for us to keep things in proper perspective. Christopher, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. We have another segment with Christopher. For those who are interested, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click on that Patreon link, get access to it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we've been talking with Christopher Altieri from Rome, uh, the co-founder of Vocaris Media, uh, about Advent and the longing and the waiting that is associated with that season. If you missed any part of the episode or you want to share this episode with someone else, well, all the archives are up over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Just click Episode Archive, and today's show will be right up at the top for easy access. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, burn it down to a CD or put it on a cassette tape, throw it in an envelope and send it to a friend. However you want to share it, uh, that's available to you right there. Now, the conversation with Christopher Altieri continued, uh, and that's available to all those who support the show through Patreon. Uh, if you want access to, to this extra segment, as well as several others from our recent guests, go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link. It says support the show. And you can see there's lots of different levels at which you can support the show and get cool stuff in the process. Uh, for the $5 level, you get access to all the extra segments we have. And today, tomorrow is actually the last day you can do it. Uh, anyone who is supporting the show at a $10 level a month will get all of the rewards that are already listed on Patreon. But you also will get a Christmas present from me. Uh, I'm sending out to those who support the show on a regular basis. I'm sending out a, a copy of Scott Hahn's, one of Scott Hahn's new books. Uh, so if you want to get your hands on that, by all means, join the faithful crew, the band of brothers and sisters who support the work we do here with Outside the Walls. Well, let's go ahead. We've been talking today about Advent and about the longing and the waiting and, and longing specifically for uh, Christ to set things right, for God to set things right, uh, and to not try and jump ahead of him in doing that. And today's reading comes from the book of Isaiah. And we get a lot of our readings from Isaiah during Advent because he talked about this longing and this waiting quite a bit. Uh, and so we see here in Isaiah 30, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, O people of Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, no more will you weep. He will be gracious to you when you cry out. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. The Lord will give you the bread you need and the water for which you thirst. No longer will your teacher hide himself, but with your own eyes you shall see your teacher. While from behind a voice shall say in your ears, This is the way, walk in it, when you would turn to the left or to the right. He will give rain for the seed that you sow in the ground. And the wheat that the soil produces will be rich and abundant. On that day your flock will be given pasture, and the lamb will graze in spacious meadows, and the oxen and the asses that till the ground will eat silage tossed to them with shovel and pitchfork. Upon every high mountain and lofty hill there will be streams of running water. On the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall, the light of the moon will be like that of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times greater like the light of seven days. On the day that the Lord binds up the wounds of his people, he will heal the bruises left by his blows. That reading comes from the book of Isaiah, and it points us to abundance. Everything that God is going to do, he's going to do in abundance. He gives rain for the seed. He, he produces uh, wheat in abundance. The flocks will be given abundant pasture, right? The, the oxen and the asses that till the ground will, will feed on abundance. Uh, Silage tossed to them with shovel and pitchfork, not, you know, not little bits, but just huge past tossed to them uh, through these, these 
pictures of abundance. Every mountain and lofty hill, there's abundant water, right? We see this picture that when God comes and provides, he provides with abundance. Isaiah is writing to the children of Israel who are in exile, who are completely cut off from the provision of God. And he's saying, ah, all will be made right by God. All will be set right. Everything that, that you are lacking now will be provided for you in abundance. Everything that you need will be taken care of. And so this is for us, first of all, it's, it's a very clear to us, a very clear picture a foreshadowing of Christ, because God is not going to answer us from a distance, but he's going to be there face-to-face, incarnate, as it were, right before us. Uh, and, and then the voice from behind, the Holy Spirit, will say, this is the way, walk in it. That harkens back to what we said in the first segment, that uh, when God wants us to move and when God wants us to participate uh, in his redeeming work, we're not going to have to guess, because the Spirit walks behind. A voice shall sound in your ears. This is the way. Walk in it. And so all of these readings are, are attuning our ears to the fact that, yes, things are not right with the world, but Christ is coming. And when he comes, uh, he will provide an abundance uh, and set right everything that's currently lacking. Each week on Outside the Walls, we look at scripture and we also look at a reading from church history. And today's reading from church history comes from St. Cyprian, and it's a treatise on the value of patience. Patience is a precept for salvation, given us by our Lord, our teacher. Whoever endures to the end, he says, will be saved. And again, if you persevere in my word, you will truly be my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Dear brethren, we must endure and persevere if we are to attain the truth and freedom that we have been allowed to hope for. Faith and hope are the very meaning of our being Christians. But if faith and hope are to bear their fruit, patience is necessary. For we do not seek glory now in the present, but we look for future glory, as St. Paul instructs us when he says, By hope we were saved. Now hope which is seen is not hope. How can a man hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. Patient waiting is necessary if we are to be perfected in what we have begun to be, and if we are to receive from God what we hope for and believe. In another place, the same apostle instructs and teaches the just and those active in good works and those who store up for themselves treasures in heaven through the reward God gives them. They are to be patient also. For he says, therefore, while we have time, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. But let us not grow weary in doing good, for we shall reap our reward in due season. Paul warns us not to grow weary in good works through impatience, not to be distracted or overcome by temptations, and so give up in the midst of our pilgrimage of praise and glory and allow our past good deeds to count for nothing because what was begun falls short of completion. Finally, the apostle, speaking of charity, unites it with endurance and patience. Charity, he says, is always patient and kind. It is not jealous, it is not boastful, it's not given to anger, does not think evil, loves all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
He shows that charity can be steadfast and persevering because it has learned how to endure all things. And then another place he says, bear with one another lovingly, striving to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. He shows that neither unity nor peace can be maintained unless the brethren cherish each other with mutual forbearance and persevere the bond of harmony by means of patience. That reading comes from a treatise on the value of patience by St. Cyprian. What is that thing in your life right now that God is encouraging you, nudging you to, uh, to exercise patience on? Uh, what is it that you're longing for that you've been antsy and really just kind of maybe pastoring God a little bit? What is that thing that right now, as we've talked about this, pops to your mind as, oh gosh, I hope that's not what God means by patience. <laughs> that's it. That's the thing right there. Uh, what is it that God's asking you to exercise patience on? And would it make it easier if you knew that God's intention for you was holiness, and and not only holiness, not something that you've got to work up on your own, but but giving you the graces that you need to achieve holiness. Uh, he's called us to holiness, but it's not something that he expects us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. He's already made the way for us to achieve that thing that he's called us to do. Remember, uh, the voice calls from behind us. This is the way. Walk in it. So what is it that God's calling you to be patient for? And can you offer that to him in prayer during this time of Advent, looking forward in hope to that which has been promised, but doing so with endurance, not rushing ahead of the the voice of God, not rushing ahead of the provision of God, but, but patiently waiting for him to come through? I tell you what, you pray for me in this season of Advent that I will follow through on those things that God's calling me to be patient for, and I will pray for you. And, and I will. I'll pray for you by name. Come on over to my social media and let me know what it is you need prayer for, generically or specifically. And me and my family will lift you up in prayer uh, during our Advent prayer time. Now, just as a reminder, uh, we're putting that Advent prayer time up online each night. Uh, we missed Thursday because of some technical difficulties, but we've been doing each night as we get to bed, somewhere around 8 o'clock, put the kids to bed, we do our Advent routine uh, with you. You're invited. It's on Facebook Live on the uh, Outside the Walls Facebook page. Get there by going to facebook.com slash stepoutsidethewalls. We light the Advent candle. We talk a little bit about some of the practice that we've done in that specific day, if there's been something special. We read the readings from, uh, from the Mass that day, the Mass readings out of Scripture. Uh, sing a little song and send them to bed. Real easy, real short, around 10 to 15 minutes, and we'd love to have you join us. Come over on social media and be a part of our family as we lift you in prayer and ask for your prayers for us as well. That's all the time we have this week. Outside the Walls is made possible by the generous gifts of those Patreon supporters. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.